ever since we started reading about the tabernacle, something has been bothering me is not the right word, that I've been trying to figure out how to talk about it. And I was reading a guy that I read periodically on the internet, and he said something that all of a sudden just made everything come together. So I'm going to see if I can figure out how to do this. So today we've got the offerings for the Mishkan, the tabernacle. A couple of things to notice. First thing to notice is all of the contributions are voluntary. There was no taxation, there was no forced donations or anything like that. It was, if you want to bring it, bring it. And in fact, at the end of the process, they finally had to say, stop. We got way more than enough stuff. And it turns out that, uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, if you look at some of the cathedrals in Europe, they were built the same way. The people who worshipped there were the ones that brought the materials and did the stuff. And certainly the aristocracy had something to do with it. But a lot of the cathedrals were b built the same way. The second thing I want you to notice is everything that was brought was of the finest quality and everything was of the finest craftsmanship. The people that got appointed to do metal work, to do woodwork, to do sewing, to do any of that stuff were the best. And they were the ones that put everything together. And one of the things that I infer from that is beauty is important. It's important to God, and it's important to us. And the thing that has struck me for quite a while now, and I'm trying to figure out how to talk about it, is the prevalence of ugliness in the world right now. I'll give you an example. I go to the Boulder County Jail periodically, visit folks that are in jail, messianics and so forth, and out on County Road 5, east of Erie, there's a school. The same architect looks like he's designed both of them. That school looks to me virtually identical to the Boulder County Jail. And if you look around, cities right now, our major cities are turning into homeless camps. In fact, you probably all heard this, there's an app you can get for your phone that tells you where not to walk in San Francisco so you don't walk on feces. There's an app to do that. This is ugliness. Instead of having great, beautiful cities, we have ugliness. And people. People are becoming intentionally ugly. They're chopping pieces off of themselves. They're dressing in deliberately ugly ways. And the thing that occurs to me is ugliness is spiritually depressing. If everything around you is ugly, you sort of get dragged down with it. Now, let me take you to the quote that all of a sudden made all of this coalesce for me. The guy is named Bruce Charlton. I've talked about him before. He's a Brit, a medical doctor, and he writes a blog, which some of his stuff I like a lot, a lot of it, uh, eh, but uh, he sort of regards himself as being in the same category as uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, who are, by the way, people that he reads a lot. He's a very bright guy. 
he had this quote. The universal message to each of us is, quote, you are the problem. You are what stands in the path of the desirable world of justice, equity, environmentalism, peace, health, spirituality, and all that is approved. You're the problem. And he, by the way, said it's first person, I'm the problem, but I changed that. You walk around and you're breathing out deadly CO2 that contributes to global warming. You use up scarce resources. I mean, who are you to have your own car? Who are you to have your own house? Those are scarce resources and you're using them all up. You carry deadly diseases. You're carrying a deadly disease and you're dangerous. You got the wrong attitude. You're racist. You're sexist. Speciesism. You think that you're more valuable than a cow. You're weirdophobic. And that's an interesting thing. The weirdophobic, transphobic, homophobic, whatever. Notice there that it is a clinical term. You have a phobia. You're the problem. You have privilege. You prefer to take care of your own family. You prefer to take care of your own neighborhood. You prefer to take care of your own country. All of these are why you're the problem. And by the way, this is all a lie. And what it is, is a satanic lie intended to spiritually depress you. And it goes right along with the ugliness that you see developing all the way around. The whole thing here is to depress you spiritually and emotionally. That's the message that's being pumped out at you. And by the way, it's a lie. Satan hates people. And because of the prevalence of these lies, what you can see is the prevalence of satanic institutions, systems, whatever, in the world. Because they're pumping this stuff out at you. You're the problem. You're in the way. If it wasn't for you, we could get this right. I haven't used this in a long time. And I kind of like it. If you look at humanity, going back to Christ, he died for us while we were yet sinners. It isn't the case that, boy, we finally deserve to get saved. No, no, we're a mess. We've always been a mess. And my comment was that if we got what we deserved, the world would have low gray skies everywhere, and our diet would be nothing but oatmeal with no sugar. That's what Satan is trying to sell us. You're the problem. And oh, by the way, you need to eat bugs because your diet is destroying the planet. Bugs for you. So it's the same message, and it is specifically anti-God, it is specifically anti-Christian, and it is specifically anti-human. Satan hates people, and one of the reasons he hates people is because we're made in the image of God. Satan isn't too fond of God either. And so what he's trying to do is destroy us, and in that process, what he's doing is trying to destroy the beauty that God wants us to create in order to depress us. Because if we're depressed, we're not a problem to him. So as you look at what the world is shoveling at you, 
turn on your spiritual filters and recognize that what they're trying to do is they are trying to make you hate yourself. Now, what are the two commandments in the Bible that everything hinges on? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what if you're not lovable? What if you've been convinced there's nothing lovable about you? How in the world are you going to love your neighbor as yourself, and what good is that going to do if you don't love you? If you have been depressed, pushed down, and spiritually wounded, crippled, you're no good. And that's what Satan wants. Now, one of the things that Carlton also said, which I thought was very good, is ideology has driven out religion. Now, what's ideology? That is somebody figuring something out or thinking he's figured something out and putting it out as this is the way you should behave. Marxism, Nazism, democracy. Any of those things become ideologies. God doesn't set up ideologies. God sets up relationships. So what God wants you to do is be in relationship with him and what he wants you to do is go out then and do stuff that he would do if he were there. Most of you know my background is I'm in the military. I used to be a commander. And one of the things that I would tell my lieutenants, which was told to me, is if I'm not there, what I want you to do is do something useful that you think I would approve of if I were there. And there's a quote from Admiral Nelson. You all know who Admiral Nelson was? British, time of wooden ships and iron men. He won the Battle of Trafalgar, got killed in the process. And he said a couple of things. In case signals can neither be seen nor perfectly understood, no captain can do very wrong if he places his ship alongside that of the enemy. There's a fictionalized account of that in a movie called Master and Commander, which is also excellent. I recommend it if you like movies. So a fictionalized Nelson also once told Captain Jock Aubrey, never mind maneuvers, just go straight at them. And so what God does is he gives to us the Torah, scriptures. And what he says is, this is what I want for you and this is what I want for the world. And then he steps back and he says, Go get them, tiger. Make that happen. What ideology does is it takes you and tries to fit you into a system. And it tries to make you a widget in a machine. That's what ideology does. That's also satanic. That's not what God wants of you. What God wants of you is he wants your initiative. He wants your craftsmanship. That's what we're talking about in the Torah portion. I want the finest craftsman to come here and sew and cast and hammer and stuff because what I want you to do is create something beautiful. I've told you what I want. Now I'm going to step back and I'm going to watch you do it. That's God's way of doing things. By the way, that's what Admiral Nelson is talking about. I've told you what I want you to do. Now I'm going to step back and I'm going to watch you do it. Because the fact of the matter is, nobody has got the intelligence or the bandwidth
to manage everything in this world. Now, God, had he wanted to, could have created people perfect, right? Wrong. No, he couldn't. God did create perfect things that work just exactly the way they're designed to work and never fail. They're called bugs. A bug gets born, eats, makes more bugs, and dies. There's not a lot of bandwidth in a mosquito. So as he starts making us, what he's talking about is something that is completely different than a bug or the next level up, a cow. You know, All a cow knows how to do is mow the grass, make more cows, and be prepared for meatloaf. That's not what we're for. He has made us the way he wants us, and he has made us that way because he wants our craftsmanship, our initiative, our beauty, etc., and what ideology does is it destroys that or tries to. Now, what ideology also does is disconnects you from relationship to God. And that's what's happened to our church and our civilization right now. Our churches have become defensive. They haven't figured out what the problem is precisely, so they become defensive. So what they do is they retreat and they say, okay, I'm going to focus on heaven which is to say, I'm going to focus on death. Now, we're all going to heaven, but I'm not in any hurry. There's an old joke that street preacher walks into a bar and says, all right, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody just sort of looks at him and he says, don't you want to go to heaven? Oh, I was afraid you were making up a load right now. Yeah, of course. Whenever God's ready, I'm perfectly willing to go, but I'm in no hurry. i got stuff to do here. And so what our church is doing, by the way, it's called pietism, which is to say, I'm going to keep my skirts clean, I am going to make sure that I go to heaven, and I'm going to disengage from the culture. And that's what we've done. And it's defensive. What they're trying to do is defend themselves against the encroachment of the satanic culture that we are dealing with. I will tell you on the authority of history, no Department of Defense ever won a war. We have not won a war since the War Department changed its name from War Department to Department of Defense, which happened after World War II. We haven't won a war since. Our churches, retreating into defensiveness and pietism, are not winning a war either. Now. Systems and ideologies are wrong. One of the things that happens when you argue with somebody is they'll say, well, but yeah, but that doesn't work here. Well, no, it doesn't. If God didn't design a perfect system, what makes you think you can? These objections that people have is you say, well, gee, we need to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, but it won't work in that situation. Well, what are we going to do? What you're going to do is you're going to be paralyzed. You're not going to move. You're not going to do anything because you're trying to design the perfect system, the perfect ideology or whatever it is, and you never move. God didn't design a perfect system. He designed a system that is perfect for what he wants us to be doing. But he expects us to do our part. He won't do it for us. 
The world still exists, in case you hadn't noticed. Christ has not returned yet, in case you hadn't noticed. Christ will return when God decides it's time for return. He will not return when we get fed up. He will not return when we say, Oh my God, you've got to come rescue me. And by the way, there are ideologies in the church right now that focus on pietism, rescue, that's what the rapture is, in times when Christ returns. Those are all in the scripture. It's going to happen. But it's going to happen on God's time. And what you're supposed to be doing is you're supposed to be out there winning victories until that happens. You are not allowed to sit on your blessed assurance and look up and say, Oh God, you need to rescue me. Doesn't do any good. You've missed the point. You've missed the object of the exercise. One of the things that you should be doing, you've got the commander's intent. That's what the Bible is. That's where he tells you what's supposed to happen, how he wants it to happen, what kind of results he's looking for. That's why you read the book. It's what I call commander's intent in military terms. That's Nelson saying, forget maneuver, just sail right at him. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read the commander's intent, and then in every situation that you're faced with, what you're supposed to say is, hmm, what would God have me do right now? And then do it. And let him worry about knitting it together into a bigger plan. So what he'll do is he'll arrange situations where you can do something useful. And then he'll stand back and say, all right, let's see what you're going to do. So leave it to him to arrange the situations. He'll do that. You just sail right at him, whatever that means in every situation. Now, the last thing. Remember we started with beauty. Beauty is important. Because beauty is one of the things that God created to lift your spirits. My dear wife says every time we drive out and she looks at the Colorado mountains and the blue sky, it lifts her spirits. That's what it's supposed to do. You're supposed to be creating beauty around you to lift other people's spirits and your own in that process. Beauty is important. So quit cooperating with evil systems. Just don't cooperate anymore. And furthermore, quit arguing with Satan. He's better at it than you are. Satan is not stupid. And so arguing with Satan and his ministers is a waste of time. Quit cooperating, quit arguing. But appreciate beauty and create beauty. Spread beauty. Point beauty out to people. And be a happy warrior. God commands joy. It's a whole other subject, but he does. He says, be joyful. You know what I'm looking for. Go do it. Make it happen. And don't get tangled up and depressed by the enemy who hates you. You are not the problem in the world. 
And all of the propaganda that gets fed to you saying that you are the problem and the reason why we don't have perfect environment, why we don't have perfect equality, why we, it's all your fault. No, it's not. If God had wanted that stuff, he'd have created it. What he wants is you. And what he wants you to do is do what he would have you do in every circumstance and love it, enjoy, smile. Don't walk around grim. Enjoy your life. That's what he gave it to you for. And when he's done with your life, then he'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And when he's done with this world, he'll take care of that too. Don't worry about that. It's beyond your control anyway, so don't mess with it. You just do what you're supposed to do in every circumstance. And in every circumstance, try and think of what God would have you be doing in that circumstance and then do it to the best of your ability. And smile. Smile.